the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I will be your host for today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and for the last 12 years, we have been the leading provider in the United States uh, to provide lines of credit for small nonprofits. And you know, I'm not just saying that we're a leader like a lot of companies say. We are. We've been doing it a long time, and there's not really many people in this space, and we are the number one provider in that area. So uh, if you're interested in learning about a line of credit for your nonprofit, please visit nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, that's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And we do have a sponsor for today's podcast. It's Arrays Fast Fund Online, which is accounting software specifically built for small to medium-sized uh, uh, nonprofits. Uh, it is specifically designed by CPAs for nonprofits, and I'm a firm believer that getting software that's specifically built for your industry is a smart decision. If you're interested, please visit their website at arrays.com, A-R-A-I-Z-E.com. It's a heck of a lot better than QuickBooks for nonprofits. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Wendy Steele from Impact 100 Global, um, Wendy is the founder and CEO of Impact 100, a global nonprofit organization dedicated to uniting and empowering over 30,000 women to create a transformational impact in their communities and has uh, today collected, co collectively granted more than $123 million uh, to worthy nonprofits across more than 65 local chapters in four counties, countries, excuse me. In recognition of her work with Impact 100, Wendy was selected by Forbes by the July, uh, uh, for the July 2021 50 over 50 impact list, recognizing women changing communities through social entrepreneurship, law, advocacy, and education. She was also featured in many other magazines and podcasts. Wendy, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. I'm happy to be with you. So we're going to talk about today about unleashing the power of your board for fundraising. And, and I do have a little firsthand experience in this. I had joined a, a nonprofit, um, a small, very, very small one and on the board. And um, they had never done fundraising before. And so, you know, they had been around for a while and they really had to get the board, uh, which I was a member of. Well, I was a proponent of getting the board involved in fundraising because it wasn't something that they had really done. And so when you see um, uh, someone who's an executive director or even a new president of the board trying to move a board in the direction of fundraising, what do you typically say? You know, sometimes there's hesitancy on the part of the executive director, especially like the example you just gave, where they've had a board and the organization has been around for a while. And now it feels like the board's being taken in a direction that they weren't prepared for. They didn't know when they signed on that this might be a part of their role. 
So I often see hesitancy on the part of the executive director. And I also can see a little bit of pushback or resistance on the part of the board when you're making that shift. Those things, however, aren't enough of a barrier for me to say, okay, you didn't start that way. So by all means, don't pivot. It simply means that uh, as an executive director, you've got to move carefully and strategically as you start to sh- make this shift. But when you make that shift, it will be one of the strongest things you can do for your organization. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure what a board is for if, if it's really not for fundraising, honestly. I mean, when you go to an established nonprofit that's larger, you don't get on the board unless you're going to bring money to the table. You know, it's just, that's just the way it is. You're, you're paying to, I mean, it's well known. You're paying to be there. And um, so if you're a smaller nonprofit and you haven't moved in that direction, um, it's, it's, it's something that you, you got to do, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And your point is well taken. Most established nonprofits of every size understand that one of the best avenues to fundraising is their board, assuming they have the right people at the table. Correct. Often small nonprofits, they bring people on and who almost act like a like a CEO roundtable or a mastermind group for that executive director. They also might be people who are helping with governance or, you know, setting up some of the basic bylaws and procedures that every nonprofit needs. So your founding board may not be your fundraising board. And for most cases, that's that's okay. But as you evolve, having people who are good at governance alongside people who understand and embrace fundraising is really the kind of team you want to have around you. Who, who, from your experience, let's say the executive director, let's say you have a board that has done some fundraising. You just, you know, it's not your core competency. Um, how, How would you introduce the idea that we have to get better at this? You know, I think so much of it, Stephen, is repositioning it. Sometimes, you know, in, in the conversations that I have with board members and others who care very much about these nonprofits, but somehow feel awkward and uncomfortable about fundraising, it's about repositioning it, shifting their thought from feeling like a pushy salesperson or someone that people want to avoid at parties because we're going to walk up and ask you for money, shifting that mindset, which is frankly outdated and incorrect, yet very natural, to a mindset that says, if you're a board member and you believe in this organization, you're probably already giving to them yourself. And it's taking it from convincing or selling your friends and colleagues to give to the same place you give, to sharing your enthusiasm of how this work is changing the world for the better why you personally support it and how powerful it is to be a part of that solution. In other words, you go from selling to inviting your friends to join you in what you're doing. 
most people are very comfortable sharing what they're passionate about and inviting their friends to join. Somehow you say the word fundraising and everyone gets cold and their palms start to sweat. And that's what we want to avoid. So I think the first step of any executive director is to make sure that the board really understands what it means when we ask for their help and understanding that there are a variety of ways for board members to to help in this matter and to really move the needle in fundraising for their organization. But from your experience with smaller nonprofits, um, what type of board members, and you know, and generalize for me, are they getting? You know, are they getting a bank officer? You know, which are they getting? You know, are they getting people who just really care about the cause? I mean, you know, what are they getting? You know, an administrative assistant. Uh, are they? You know, are they getting a stay-at-home? you know, mom, if there is any, any stay at home moms anymore, but you know, it's, you know, uh, you know, what, what are they getting typically generally? You know, ideally what they're getting is an intentional collection of people um, assuming that the executive director that's in the role today is the executive director that invited these people onto the board. Then there ought to be some strategy Depending on the clientele you serve, the community that you serve, hopefully you've got representation there on your board. You also have people who believe in the work you're doing and are centers of influence. It could be that they're bankers and lawyers and accountants, but it also could be someone who's entrepreneurial or or someone is a professional volunteer, deeply entrenched in the community. There ought to be a fair distribution of age, ethnicity, and race so that it reflects your community. And also, because each one, each demographic that you can think of, even in the smallest of towns, has people in the community, has their own network. And if your board all looks alike and all has a similar background, odds are their networks are very much overlapping and their skill sets. So ideally, the board is diverse, both in skill and age and ability. And that means a smart executive director can leverage each each personality, each character, if you will, on that board toward a different end so that each individual on the board feels seen and recognized and valued while also providing value in a way that feels natural and comfortable to them. Yeah, I would also think there's a there could be a transition period where the, the executive director says, okay, listen, we, we got to move to where this board is raising funds. And, and, you know, listen, most executive directors early on, they, they, you know, they like the idea of having a board. They like the idea of having advice, but they don't want to get rid of the people who are there because it's so much work finding additional people. So, you know, it, it's like saying, okay, maybe you need some turnover in your board and you need to say somebody who doesn't want to fundraise who cannot or who doesn't really have those connections or skill set. Um, you know, maybe it's time for you to move into a different role or something and try to backfill that with a high powered person 
you know, the exec directors are running around a lot as it is. And I guess what I would do is I would talk to the board president about it and say, you know, can you take ownership of this, of getting people on this board who are going to be big fundraiser and let them run with it? Was that fair? Yes and no. Um, it, it depends who your board chair is and whether that's their skill set, I would say. Yeah. Also, as an ED, you're, you've got this sort of tension between you, your plate is already full and the idea of going out and recruiting new board members and figuring out who stays and who goes is time consuming and everything else. However, you have to live with that board. You will live with the people that get brought in. And the more hands-on you can be, the happier you'll be in the long run. I think you're on to something when you talk about engaging the board chair more heavily. And I, whenever a, a board, when a, when a nonprofit starts to grow or is in trying to grow or something changes, it's a great opportunity to have the board chair either, you know, in consultation with the ED or under the guidance of the, of the executive director to have a board retreat, to talk about, you know, celebrate how far we've come, celebrate the contributions of this board and maybe their predecessors as well, depending on how old the organization is, and then cast the vision for what's next. Invite your current board to really see that vision and determine whether or not they still believe they're a part of it. When you do this sort of a shift, it allows those who have served faithfully on the board to celebrate the accomplishments that they've helped achieve and also be clear-eyed about what's next to determine along with the board chair and the executive director whether their tenure is coming to an end or whether they're ready to pivot and go in this new direction. Another thing that I find really useful is together to create a, a board member agreement. The way I like to see it is either two sides of the same piece of paper or one piece of paper with two columns. And one says, as an organization, here's what we commit to provide to you, our board member. And it'll be like, you know, financial information, all the timely information of what's going on in the organization, an insider's look at these key programs, et cetera. So, so a list of things that the, that the institution itself promises to deliver to that board member. And the board member says, I promise that I will attend meetings. I will serve on one committee. I will make a significant their definition, significant donation to this organization, or this organization will be among my top charitable gifts every year, or as you kind of alluded to, I will give X number of dollars or get X number of dollars to be donated to the organization. What that does is it establishes expectations on both sides. And it makes it feel more like a relationship. We typically would have the ED sign on behalf of the organization and, of course, the board member sign. And these commitments are re-executed every year of their board term. 
because part of it is making sure that expectations are clear and that people understand what we hope to see from them. And when they agree to it and then follow through, everybody wins. But if they look at it and say, you know, I'm not going to be able to do these things in the coming year because I got a promotion at work or I'm caring for an elderly um, parent or grandparent. So we want to give flexibility, but we also want to give very clear intent that as a board member, there are expectations. Uh, From your experience, when, at what point, does the executive director start noticing that they have to get the board to start fundraising? When do you, what is there an inflection point that you say, and it's like, this is what, ha- what goes on when the, when the ED says, Hey, you know, we gotta, we gotta start moving in this direction with the board's fundraising. What do you, do you see a point like that? You know, I think that it depends on the individual leading and the organization and where the other funding's coming from. But often when there is a change, either, you know, they want to start a new program and it's going to take more money than they've ever raised before. Now you're looking at all your possible sources of revenue, right? Um, It could be that they had some startup funding or capacity building funding that, is coming to an end and they need to move forward. Sometimes it's when the executive director hires a development person, a fundraiser to join the team, and they will look at the organization and say, you know, gosh, there's more we can do. So there's, there is not necessarily a one particular time. I think it can be different, but I would advise that every executive director and fundraiser You do have to very systematically look at the world, look at the assets that you have, and your board is an asset, and say, am I doing the most with it? I can. And if not, why? In this case, we're we're describing this as a shift from not asking a board to raise money to asking. Sometimes it's not that kind of a shift, but rather... As the board has grown, they may have gotten a little bit complacent and the expectation has vaguely always been that the board helps with fundraising. Some people did it, some people didn't. And it may simply be the ED looking around and saying, well, we've got an imbalance here. And if we had everyone rowing this boat in the same direction, we could get farther ahead faster. I need to engage every rower on my board to pick up the oar. And I think that there can be a a variety of reasons. I I don't know of any bad reasons, though. I don't know of any reasons to not engage your board in fundraising. Because there are ways to design it so that everyone can participate regardless of the depth of their checkbook or their network. Yeah, I mean... uh I'm I'm just thinking back to this organization that I that I've been I'm still on the board for but they it's uh, so I was kind of coaching the executive I came on a year ago and uh no it was about a year and a half ago and there was a change in the executive director uh went to the second in command and 
I had to reel in the, I, I made the executive director uh, work with the board on a strategic plan. And so we started off that. And, you know, one of the things I noticed was the executive director was trying to do too much. Like she, the, you know, she wanted to do too much. And the things that she was doing were really not that, um, they weren't big. They were little things, you know? And so I tried to get uh, the executive director to limit what she wanted to get done and go for bigger stuff. So she wasn't, you know, doing a taskmaster type of thing. And then I, they had never done fundraising in the past. In general, the organization had never really done fundraising, not much. So I, you know, I had said to the, the uh, small board that um, we need to all go out and fundraise, right? I'm, I'm cutting, I didn't do it this abruptly, but I'm just cutting it to make it simple for the, our, our listeners. And, you know, and then we went out and we raised, and we went and raised money. And, um, and then, you know, they raised, uh, we raised about $15,000 for a small nonprofit, right? And um, just to, you know, it was a good way for us to get started. And then, uh, you know, I just recently found out that the executive director can't, is not going to be able to continue anymore. So, you know, my, my point of saying this is that the, the executive director is the person to me that is the key person for every nonprofit. If you don't have a good executive director, if you have an executive director who's trying to do too much, if you have an executive director who doesn't have a vision that's bigger, it's, you're not going to grow. Is that fair to say? I think that is very fair to say. Any organization will only rise to the level of competency and of, I think, um, aspiration of their leader. And so it sounds like in this case, the leader was sort of putting a lid on the growth based on her own inability to either dream big or imagine what if, or her comfort in the weeds, in the small things. And sometimes in nonprofits, just like frankly in corporate America, people get promoted because they did a good job at, at whatever level they were. But when you get promoted, it requires different skills than what got you successful in that lower level job. And I think from a board standpoint, who ultimately is who the executive director reports to, you know, the governance aspect of your board really needs to help ensure that you've got the right people in the right seats within the organization. And that can be complicated. In some cases, an ED, like you're describing, can be coached up. And it sounds like you did a really good job of, of getting her to redirect her thoughts and to, to dream a little bigger. And the board all came alongside and was able to raise some funds. But when they're, the right person isn't in the right seat, it's worthwhile to just take a breath and do a search, get the right people. Because when you have the right people, both around the board table and in the executive director role and, and the other senior staff, there's almost nothing anyone can do that can slow you down. 
But without that, you're going to hobble along and not ever reach the highest potential that the organization has. Yeah, you know, actually, the board uh, was pretty good. You know, we, we had some pretty good people on the board. But, you know, like most things, everybody in the board, this is, you know, it's not a, they can do maybe two or three hours a month, maybe. And in order to coach or train, you know, this, in this case, this executive director, it, it just, I don't see it taking an hour or two. And, you know, and I'm talking about an hour or two of, you know, my time just in board, in the board meeting. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of, I, I'm trying to think where I'm going with this, but the, the point being is, you know, I think if you're going to get to a point where the fund, the board is going to fundraise, um, you have to have a lot of other things in place to get to that point. Maybe if you like, we probably, we still would have been fine with the organization raising funds. Um, and the organization still would have ran fine. Uh, well, you know, so anyway, I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but it, you know, I, I think that they're, you know, the, the executive director is the key person. If you don't have the leadership skills, I'm saying you have to learn that. That's what I'm saying. You have to start taking a step back. You have to get a coach involved. You have to start reading. If, you know, whatever the, I, I would say get a coach, regardless if it's paid or somebody else. Um, if, if you're not heading, if you're running around with your head cut off, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's time to get a coach. Yeah, so I would yeah. say agree. Agreed. A hundred percent agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you've got to get your priorities straight. There will always be these urgent things that bubble up, but you have to focus on what's important and you have to focus on the bigger picture. Either delegate those small little tasks or eliminate them ruthlessly. Eliminate things that don't contribute to where you're going in the long run. And that's hard to do, especially in a nonprofit. So I, I focused this podcast on the executive director, you know, maybe being a little disorganized because I was using my example of, of the board I was on. But what about if you do have an executive director who's pretty good and, they, and they're, you know, they get to the point where they're saying, okay, now I need to do fundraising. Now I've had a number of guests on my podcast who that's what they do. They, and I, and I think, Wendy, you do you, that's what you do too, right? You help boards uh, learn how to fundraise themselves. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And so where do you start? Uh, someone comes to you, executive director or uh, president of the board says, Wendy, we, you know, we really want to learn how to uh, fundraise. Um, where do you start? I think you start with the mission and making sure that it is clearly defined for the board. Make sure that they understand what it is they're raising money for. So the mission of the organization, the value proposition, as well as where the funds will go. Then focus on, on the individuals in the board. So, you know, I sort of look at it as, as three different avenues. Avenue number one are for those board members who are passionate about the cause, and it's flipping the script, as I mentioned earlier, from asking people for money 
shift that into inviting their network to be a part of this organization in the same way that they are by donating. Not everyone still will feel comfortable doing that. So another avenue for certain board members that might be more attractive as they start this journey is invite your board member to be a convener. Get your board members to include people in their networks, whether it's a series of lunches with the executive director, the board member, and a person or group of people. Therefore, the board member is simply engaging in the conversation, but the executive director will be there to explain the value proposition, to talk about the vision and what we're raising money for, and ultimately to make the ask of that person. As a convener, this could be a private party for dinner in someone's home, where when you're all invited to come, you know you're invited to meet the executive director because they're raising money for this exciting new chapter in the organization's life. So people come into it understanding that. Serving as a convener, providing a warm connection to prospective donors that the executive director sees as important and pre-qualified is hugely helpful. The third way is to take a look at the very specific needs that the nonprofit has and engaging your board members through their connections to in-kind donors. So in other words, part of this includes an upgrade of technology. Well, one of your board members might might know someone in an organization who'd be willing to donate software or hardware or physical space for them to hold their office. So you want to engage those board members to be the connecting point or even deliver in-kind gifts or gifts for a very specific cause. Someone might say, well, I can get my arms around this one project that we do, and I've got friends, and we've quantified it, that every $1,000 feeds three families. Therefore, I'm going to give $1,000, and I'm going to invite all my friends to do this one very specific thing. When we recognize that fundraising is not a one-size-fits-all, that everyone comes at it with a different level of comfort and experience, making it clear that there are avenues for everyone on your board to get involved makes it much more palatable. I believe, and based on my experience, when they start to do this, they get more and more comfortable. Pretty soon you will have board members who can invite people in, who can convene important networked people so that the ED can invite them in, as well as connecting in-kind or very project-specific gifts. They'll be able to do all three in equal turn. But in the beginning, you've got to meet them where they are and then walk them through what they can do to really move the needle in the organization. Yeah, I, I think with the my experience with that one nonprofit, uh, and I was involved with two, but um, was you just got to start somewhere. So, you know, even if it's just going to the board members and saying, um, I think we need to like look at how the board can help fundraise, you know, it, do you think this year you can go out and start asking people to, you know, give money for our fund, our, our nonprofit? That's just the, 
it's a nice way to start, right? That's what we do. That's what we do yeah. with that nonprofit, you know? And, and then you build on that. You say the next year, okay, you know, we, we, this is what we raised and, you know, you know now, you know, what, what, what do we need to do next? And, but it starts with the first little project, rather it be the dinner, like you suggested, you know, something to, to just get the ball rolling instead of, you know, being a deer in the headlights, so to speak. So, yeah, I, th yeah. I think I, that, that, I think you're, my... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. I, I think you're exactly right in what you're saying. You just have to start. And a piece of that, you have to make sure that your board has the talking points so that when they describe the opportunity or the future, that you all are singing from the same song sheet, that what you're saying is what the other board members are saying, not verbatim, but in, in theory, and what the executive director would say if he or she were in the room. When you get this common language and you can share the same talking points, it also makes it more comfortable because to the uninitiated board member, it gives them not a script in the literal sense, but it gives them the talking points so they don't have to rely on coming up with something in the heat of the moment. They'll have those things in their back pocket, those talking points, and they get a little bit of coaching on how to do it comfortably. All good stuff. Well, I learned a lot today. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of all the time we have. Um, I'd like to thank so very much Wendy Steele from Impact 100 Global for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. We've had tons and tons of great guests like Wendy. I think, you know, well, the Nonprofit MBA podcast is in the top 1% of podcasts for nonprofits. So, you know, a lot of people really like the podcasts we're doing. And, you know, if you like today's podcast or the, any, any of the other ones that we've, uh, shows that we've done, please give us a five-star review. It helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit, please uh, feel free to visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Wendy, uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Stephen, thanks again for having me on your show. They can reach me at wendy at impact100global.org, wendy at impact100global.org, or on my website, wendyhsteel.com. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real treat. So I just want to remind all the executive directors out there and, and you know, and leaders of their organizations that um, I know I, you know, I want to thank you for all the hard work you're doing to try to make this world a better place. I mean, right now, as, as I speak, you know, there's this, the turmoil that's going on between, um, well, Israel and, and, Hamas and the Palestinian people, you know, we always hear stuff. There's always something going on in the world. But, uh, you know, I want to remind the executive directors out there that um, you are no good to your cause. You're no good to your employees. You're no good to your family if you don't take care, good care of yourself first. Uh, once you take good care of yourself, then you can really help um, the world or other people. And so just make sure you do that um, through, and we all know what the right thing to do is exercise, um, 
eating right, meditating, just even just taking a walk, <laughs> just get it, getting going, taking a little break. So um, thank you for the work that you're doing. And just remember that this is a marathon and not a sprint. Other than that, I want to wish everybody a fantastic day. Thanks for listening today to the Nonprofit MBA podcast. <laughs>